0: Welcome back to the Kohler Show. I am your host, Kohler. Um, today is January 5th, Thursday, January 5th. Uh today is the sports show for the week. Again, I would like to have two separate shows at one point, but right now, financially, we're doing it all on one. Um So if you're here to listen to me talk about the news or anything else like that, it's just not gonna be your day um make sure to like subscribe follow all that shit it takes like a second literally a sec. like you could be doing it right now and you like wouldn't miss anything and you just click the button and it would just make my fucking day so let's let's get into it because there's like a lot of really just great great stuff not in like a positive sense though cuz nothing's ever positive around here. Um so Monday watching um a very good football game Bills Chicago, or Buffalo Bills Cincinnati Bengals and Cincinnati um and Obviously, what everybody's talking about this week is DeMar Hamlin, the safety for the Buffalo Bills out of Pittsburgh, 24 years old, uh, goes across, or T. Higgins goes across the middle, catches the ball. Um, DeMar Hamlin tackles him. It looks, Everything looks pretty routine. He gets back up, and then like you just see him, like body shuts down, goes right back down, and everybody's worried, and it turned out that he went in on a cardiac arrest and his heart stopped or whatever. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I don't, I'm not going to, I don't, I mean, it was bad. He was basically like, you know, not breathing dead on the field. They ended up reviving him. They take him to the, you know, Cincinnati medical center. Uh, there is actually, there was actually an update literally like a minute before I decided, like started recording or, you know, started doing this. So, uh, as of like right now, um, per the physicians caring for DeMar Hamlin at the university of Cincinnati medical center, Damar has shown remarkable improvement over the past 24 hours while still critically ill. He has demonstrated that he appears to be neurologically intact. His lungs continue to heal and he is making steady progress. So good news. It, it, I, to me, uh, somebody that doesn't know anything about the medical field that would appear that he's going to make a recovery at least, uh, I don't know about playing football. I don't know what where this leaves him with that. Um, but, you know, he's going to be okay. And that's good. And when this happened, um, you know, when anything like this happens, it's sad, obviously. And everybody, I mean, and nobody hopes that this happens and nobody's like, you know, excited when it happens it's just a bad situation all the way around but here we go when this happened i i'm i don't use twitter but i decided that you know friends were sending me some twitter stories and some things people were saying on twitter i'm like i just got to check this out so i got on twitter And I, you know, started looking... And also, it's like the best way to get the quickest updates as to what's happening. Um, And you go on a Twitter, and it's just... Man, that place is a war zone. That place is insane, Twitter. Um, He... It's a bad situation, but... I think this is just like a modern-day thing, and the fact that there's just so many people on Twitter just... their opinions are out there. And, like, I think, like, maybe, like, five people in this country at this point should have an opinion. Like, there's, like, it's ridiculous what people are saying when things like this happens. And it immediately, because everybody in America is just obsessed with this, like, oh, there needs to be some kind of story out of everything. So it just, they needed to find a villain. And everybody was just trying it. Everybody was just, you know, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. I saw one guy posted, um, Damar Hamlin goes down with an injury. Then the Whopper commercial from, you know, Burger King came on and Whopper, 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 which is something that actually happened. And people were complaining about that. But it's like when you're ESPN, people are like i'm in the in the people that were saying that were like oh this is just corporate greed blah blah, blah capitalizing on da, da. they're not capitalizing on it they have nothing else to say on the broadcast so what else are they supposed to do besides go to commercial which they like that's what you do i like i don't know if is this people's first time being alive as a human in like modern day like yeah they're going to go to commercial it's not like they have like sad commercial setups like it's not like they have the ASPCA Sarah McLaughlin commercials queued up just in case a football player goes down they're gonna play what is being paid to advertise so people were blaming that and then the big one was Skip Bayless and I have it pulled up right here and everybody was like everybody was canceling Skip Bayless last night and it's ridiculous I'm gonna read exactly what Skip Bayless said word for word uh, from the moment the play happened until, like, that night when everybody wanted to cancel him. So, first thing Skip Bayless says, not exactly sure what happened to DeMar Hamlin. Players on both teams are shaken. Ambulance on the field. CPR administered. Can't remember play being stopped for this length of time. Just said a prayer to him and his family. Okay. And that was the thing, is if you weren't saying thoughts and prayers... And there's a great Anthony Jesselnik bit about this on on one of his specials, thoughts and prayers. Um, if you weren't saying that, just that, if you had any other questions, or then you were wrong, and in Tw- in Twitter's world, and you should be canceled. And like, yeah, like it, it's a sad thing, and uh, and yes, you should hope that he fully recovers. But there are other questions to be asked, like what are they gonna do with the game? Like they shouldn't play the game, right? And that's what everybody was saying, which is is everybody that sensitive that you can't say i like they shouldn't play this game anymore like continue with skate Bayless. I've seen so many horrific injuries suffered on football fields yet have never yet never have I seen a reaction like this, and every other situation I witnessed or covered. The game always went on fairly quickly. The attitude was, Hey, that's football for these players. This was different again. True. This isn't the one he came under fire for, but it's when you, when you suit up to play football, there is a chance that something's going to happen to you. It's something that everybody that plays football knows. And I've seen a lot of things this week with like, Oh, wives are scared now for their husbands to play. It's like, this has always been a risk now, something like this hasn't happened since 1971, which is good. And safety has gotten much better in the NFL for as much as people like to bash on it and, like, how the NFL doesn't care and all they care about is money. Uh, if you're in the NFL, yeah, the games need to be played. That's, like, the point of the sport is the games are played. Um, and at, at times, like, yeah, it's it's kind of like – We've seen guy like Ryan Shazier got paralyzed on the field after a hit, and they've done things to correct that with your head and stuff, with uh, how you tackle and, tra- and training and making certain plays illegal and hits illegal and uh, the way people tackle. And it's, you know, necessary, but also it's not like it's part, it's what you sign up for. And you make millions of dollars to do it and take that risk. And if you're at that level of athlete, which don't get me wrong, if I was at that level of athlete, I would sign up tomorrow to do it. If they said, you got a spot on an NFL roster tomorrow, I would sign up to do it and I would risk my life to do it. And I'm not the only one I can guarantee you that. Um, it's, it's part of it. I'm sorry. It's, par- it's always going to be part of it. We're always going to be risking this every time a football game is played. And there's hundreds played every year from the age of fucking middle school, even younger, which you shouldn't if you're younger, but regardless, middle school to fucking 40 year old men are playing football and it's never going to stop and it should never stop. It's just people need to realize sometimes there's risk to the things you do to make money. And that's true with Alaskan crab fishermen. It's true with football players. Uh, Football players are just much more fun to watch, I guess, um, if you ask me. Anyways, next. Next Skip Bayless tweet. And this is the one that got him in trouble. This is why everybody wanted to cancel him. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? This late in the season? a game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome which suddenly seems so irrelevant that's what it got canceled for what is bad about that this game does matter this game does matter in the greater outcome of the NFL um, these are two of the top teams in the AFC again this was sad thoughts and prayers hoping he recovers he got taken to the to the you know medical center. I don't think anybody after that happened thought they were gonna play. I did not think they were gonna play. They did not play. But the still the thought is, well, what's gonna happen now? Do they give them a tie? The Bengals were up seven to three. Do they give the Bengals the win? Do they just not put a game in there? Do they just have a different record than everybody else? And they just if their win percentage isn't affected. All thoughts that went through people's minds, but you weren't allowed to say that was going through your mind. You were just allowed to say thoughts and prayers. And again, yeah, I hope, I hoped, was hoping, am still hoping that he makes a full recovery. But why can't you say that? Why can't you say that this game was a big game? He said, which suddenly seems so irrelevant. Yes, the game in the greater. Contrast to this guy's life does not really matter. But outside of that, it does. To I mean, like it's something to think about for a multi billion dollar. If he died, would they just quit the NFL would the NFL just never play a game ever again? Is that what we should do? Is we like I don't know, man. Like, and I know it's it's There's no way these players could have went back out and played that game knowing that that happened, not knowing his future and if he would be good to go. But there are still like Cincinnati Bengals. I saw yesterday are still considering not playing this next game, which is like, Hey man, it kind of is what it is at this point. It's unfortunate again. He's making progress. It's sad. Um, But it's, again part of the sport after that after that skip Bayless that one where he got everybody was trying to cancel him which believe me I don't like skip that much either man like he says a lot of dumb shit that's kind of just part of his show like I don't really like Stephen A. Smith that much either I like Stephen A. Smith much more than skip Bayless but like they kind of just say this shit because it gets views and I'll touch on that in a little second here Um, skip then said, nothing is more important than that young man's health. That was the point of my last tweet. I'm sorry if that was uh, misunderstood, but his health is all that matters. Again, everything else is irrelevant. I prayed for him and will continue to. So then he had to tweet this last tweet, which was basically a, a summary of his three tweets before that. So, I mean... What are we talking about? He said that the outcome of this game seemed so irrelevant after this happened. and I'm these is his words. Um he said that he was praying for the him and his family. I guess you're just I mean, on Twitter, you're just not allowed to think about anything else, and i'm so I'm glad to be i unretired from Twitter, I decided, you know, it's the place for me. I need to be a part of this, and so I'm back on Twitter. Um, very fun, very fun stuff here. I, unbelievable man, unbelievable. Like everything, sometimes there's just not a villain. Sometimes it just is what it is. I, why can't we? Why can't we just accept that? everything Everything needs an emotional response now, and I'm going to demonstrate that here. Uh we'll we'll touch on Bart Scott here in a second because Bart Scott was also made to be an uh Bart Scott and the NFL were also made out to be enemies here. Um so sh- so Skip Bayless has a show with Shannon Sharp um called Undisputed on Fox One or FS Fox Sports One, FS One. Um Undisputed, it's like one of those debate sports debate shows where they just yell at each other and take insane takes where you're like, Okay, dude, I'm like all right. Um, that's basically the whole point of the show. That next day, Shannon doesn't show up, so Skip does his whole thing. Um, and so that was Tuesday. Wednesday, Shannon's back on the show. Um, now Shannon played in the NFL, Skip did not. Uh Shannon's brother played in the NFL, and S- Shannon's brother actually had a similar injury like this, uh, Sterling Shepard, where he was you know, temporarily paralyzed on the field and had to get, you know, stretchered off, carted off, whatever. And so Shannon's starting on this, you know, monologue, as he referred to it, about how, you know, blah, 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 and Skip's tweet, in which Skip interrupts him and says, by the way, I'm not deleting the tweet. And Shannon goes on this whole all right, man, all right, man, I just won't talk. You're just going to interrupt me. I can't talk for one minute without you talking. And that's what this whole show is built off of, is this dynamic between these guys where it's like, all right, like we're arguing, but if you're going to argue over me, I'm not going to talk now. And it's so silly because he was acting so mad at him, and everybody's like, oh, wow, you can cut the tension. And it it really was uncomfortable if you watch the clip. And it really was, uh, you know, you were like, wow, these guys really do hate each other. Uh, And that's, that's the one minute and 41 second clip that was circulating on Twitter. And here's the thing about Twitter. It's one minute and 41 seconds of that show, which is like three hours long. The rest of the show was business as usual. So I'm not saying that they were, that Shannon was fake mad at Skip or whatever. And like, maybe he is just being a professional getting through the rest of the show. But if it was that big of a deal to him, what, what Skip said, and he's on the side of all these players, why, it, why didn't he just leave? Why didn't he say, you know what, Skip, that was fucked up. Like, I don't agree with you, blah, blah, blah. Like You said this and that. Uh, why didn't he just leave? Why did he finish out the show? And by the way, the rest of the show, it was not tense like that. I watched, I've been watching it. And by the way, he's back there today again, Thursday, doing the show. So, I mean, right? Is that not, does, does nobody else think that's a little uh, manufactured maybe? Hard to say. Hard to say. Um, but other than the whole Skip thing, people canceling Skip Bayless, the sports hot take artist for having a hot take, um, people were trying to make an enemy out of the NFL. During the broadcast, was it uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck? Troy Aikman and Joe Buck said, well, they're giving the team five minutes to warm up before they have to play the game again. Uh, which Troy Vincent, who used to play for the Bills and is now vice president, uh, it's not the Players Association, but uh uh, uh executive NFL executive vice, vice president. So not vice president of the players association, but just the NFL, the whole thing. Um yeah, they never told them that. And by the way, that's that's just standard what you're supposed to do in in an NFL game. Obviously, this was different because you know the guy was like basically dead. Uh but they never said they needed to warm up. Also, by the way, like, the coaches were there talking, and they're like, Zach Taylor came out, great guy, obviously was like, hey, man, I got, we're not playing this game. They didn't. They both went into the locker room. People, I mean, something that hasn't happened since 1971, and you're acting in real time, You, everybody was like, are they going to play the game or not? And they, I don't think anybody there ever was like, yeah, we're going to play this game. Like it didn't look like that. It didn't seem like that, but everybody was getting mad at the NFL because you have to get mad at somebody. It's just like, bro, chill a minute. Like everybody needs a bad guy, but the thing is everybody was hoping this guy was fine. Everybody. There was no bad guy in this situation. Later, uh, I believe this was yesterday, Bart Scott on um, first take on ESPN with Stephen A. Smith um, is under fire for blaming T. Higgins for this hit. Um, Now, T. Higgins, who was just catching the ball, running upfield, DeMar Hamlin came and made the hit. This is like one, like this, again, hasn't happened in 50 years. Direct quote from Bart Scott. I'm not trying to put the blame on T. Higgins, but that's something the NFL tried to take out. They never make that call. And they did make that rule where you're not, as an offensive player, you're not allowed to lower your head into somebody, which I don't really think he did. He was kind of just, you know, running up field and turned around and like he was there. And it, it's just a collision. It happens. It's not like you're like specifically aiming for a part of the body that, you know, like, you're not like, oh, I'm going to, Dig my head right into his chest, but it's just it happened, and people are going after Bart Scott and how man like he was me, and people were sat, like people were like oh yeah this was T Higgins fault, and it's not T Higgins fault, it's nobody's fault. It just happens. It might happen again. People get concussions, and they're trying to improve that, and they're doing everything they can can. It's just something that's going to happen every once in a while. And we need, like, I don't know how we're not used to this. It's just, I think it's just because it's on TV. Because it's on TV, everybody loses their fucking shit anytime something not according to plan happens. This isn't scripted. They're out there playing football. They're running as fast as they can at each other. One side's trying to tackle the other. It's it's a violent, collision-based sport. And we love it. And we always will. It's the best sport. It's the best sport. And this is unfortunate, but it's going to happen, man. I'm so like I'm so sick that we have to listen to this and and everybody's got an opinion on everything somebody says. So thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Jesus Christ. Like fucking Another his, DeMar Hamlin had a toy drive that had like fucking $3,000 contribute to it on GoFundMe, some shit like that. And after this, it got to like seven, it's at like 7 million now, which is great. That's great that they're helping him help out the community. But here's the other thing. Why are we waiting until guys get fucking dead on the field to help out their charities or whatever they're trying to do? And I'm not a big charity guy, but like this, it's, it's just pandering. You're just, Oh, he's hurt. Let's fucking help him now. Like, why not why aren't we helping? Like, why isn't it a big deal to help these guys when they're not fucking dead on the field? Right? It's like Christmas. It's like, why don't you just be nice all year? Like if you see something that would make somebody's day, just fucking and you, and you have the means to get it for them, and you're like, wow, this, this person would really love this. Don't fucking wait till their birthday or Christmas. Just fucking get it for them. It doesn't need to be a holiday. It doesn't need to be like, oh, this is a big media thing now. I need to, I need to tweet out thoughts and prayers so I'm a good person. I don't need to fucking donate to his thing now because I'm a good person. There's hundreds of NFL players with these things. Most of the NFL players are really good people. But because you know, every once in a while something like a Ray Rice incident comes up and everyone's like, oh, all these guys do is commit crimes and hit women. It's like, no. Most of these people are good people and they're doing good shit for their communities and like communities that they're not even really a part of that they're drafted to. There's so many people on the Lions that do good shit for Detroit and those aren't talked about. All that's talked about in the news is bad. All that's talked about on Twitter is just excuses and, and blaming people for shit that doesn't matter because you need somebody to blame. Like shut the fuck up. That's the new fucking theme of this show. Is shut the fuck up. God damn. Damn. Yes, the game should have been canceled, but there was other things going on too. There's other questions that people are allowed to ask and think and still hope the guy gets better. I was on the verge of winning a bunch of money that night. I was ranked top 25 in DraftKings with Joe Burrow, James Cook, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, and Hayden Hayden Hurst and Tyler Boyd still to go. I could have won a ton of money. Was I wondering if the game would keep going? Yeah. Was I also hoping that the guy got better? Yeah. Did I care that the game didn't go on? It would have been nice to win a bunch of money. But you know what? There's no way these guys could have went out and played. God, man. like Maybe maybe when bad things happen, instead of being emotional and mad at people, you should just Be emotional and fucking sit down and take a minute, take a breath, take a walk, go for a walk. It's out of your hands. There's nothing you can do. All the thinking and praying will not help. I'm sorry. The UC medical staff is what's going to help and they're one of the best trauma centers in the world. the other funny thing was people were like saying it was the vaccine and stuff, which I like the conspiracy conspiracy theorists just out of the fucking woodwork. And you know, they're going to be like, Oh, it, it wasn't conspiracy. COVID wasn't a conspiracy. Like all this stuff's come out that it's true. It's like, just fucking let the guy like, let it be, let it be. Jeez Louise, man. I didn't even realize I've been doing this for fucking 27 minutes. That's it's just, it's, it, it bothers the hell out of me and even in my group text it was like everybody was you know even in my group text i hope the guy's all right don't we fucking all yeah we hope the guy's all right is does saying does saying it over and over again make it more better does it help you Sorry if I seem insensitive here. But I feel like that's an appropriate reaction to have to everybody being mad at everybody over an unfortunate situation. It's like if you got stranded on an island and instead of building a shelter and starting to find ways to get off the island, you were just like, well, it's because that guy didn't fill up the gas tank all the way. Oh, and that guy fucking, he didn't see the fucking storm coming. So he went straight through it and it, like fucking... The guy in the back of the plane didn't get the parachutes ready in time so we couldn't jump over when there was land. It's like, the situation is what it is. You are where you are. Nothing's going to fix it. Nothing's going to change it that you're doing besides the people involved. It's sad. It's unfortunate, but it happened. Move on with your life. Thoughts and prayers. Anyways, I hope that was good. I hope that wasn't, I hope that wasn't bad. I hope that doesn't sound like, off. sometimes I go on these rants on this show and then I, I, I listen back and I wonder how, like you guys don't know how exhausting it is to listen to yourself back after like you work on this thing for three hours and then you have to go back and listen to yourself and you're just like, fuck dude, God damn it. And then you like, you think and you're like, Oh, that would have been funny to say there, but I didn't say it. Fucking God damn it. But that's part of the journey. Part of the journey of being a podcaster. Um, Anyways, continue on with the NFL. And everybody should play this weekend. Uh, Again, I already read DeMar Hamlin's doing better, um, which is great. I hope he plays again one day. That would be awesome. That would be a great story. Sports is about stories. And um, anyways, moving on to, uh, to this weekend. I would just like to say how right I was about the Detroit lions as I'm wearing my lions hat Got my lion. I'm a lions fan throwing through, but I made an episode. It was one of my first episodes back, um, after the TJ Hawkinson trade and everybody in Detroit, we were one in six and everybody was saying like, Oh, this team fucking sucks. Fire Campbell, fire Glenn, um, cut like they were like cut off fucking. We don't need them. Um, Defense sucks. We should have picked Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. Uh we shouldn't have traded TJ Hawkinson. Like we gave up a fourth and a fourth or a fifth rounder to Minnesota for uh, like they're like, oh, why do we need more draft picks? TJ Hawkinson is a tight end. Technically, we got more for TJ Hawkinson than Roquan Smith or the, the Bears did for Roquan Smith. But uh, We need TJ Hawkinson, and these draft picks are bust, and Aiden Hutchinson had one game where he had three sacks, and he has had, like, one since then. Guy sucks. And I would just, here we are at, you know, what, eight eight and eight right now going for uh, either uh, above 500 season or, you know, one game below 500. After the Detroit Lions start rattling off some wins and what did I say? What did I say? The team's young. It's one of the youngest in the NFL. I believe our oldest player is Michael Brockers, who's 33. And uh, he like, isn't even really a big player on the team. I don't know what he does in the locker room, of course, but he doesn't even dress most weeks now. Um, So the team's made it like we have rookies all over the place. Starting we have second year guys starting all over on the roster, which are guys that were drafted. Same old Lions would have signed a bunch of guys. They would have been maybe hit or miss. They would have drafted players that don't play, and then we would have been, you know, maybe six wins. We have a chance this weekend to make the playoffs. We play the Packers. We need the Seahawks to lose. If the Seahawks win and we beat the Packers, the Seahawks are in. If the Packers beat us, they're in. Doesn't matter what the Seahawks do. If the Seahawks lose and we beat the Packers, then we're in the playoffs. The youngest team in the NFL can make the playoffs with rookies all over the roster. Two first-round picks, two second-round picks in this draft. The future in Detroit is very bright. And everybody was telling me all season how I'm like, you know, this same old Lions fan who's like, "Oh, our roster is going to be so good and we always have the best." And it, the truth is, we don't. Now we do. This team's finally being built the right way. Going into this last week of the NFL season where we have the game with the biggest stakes. I mean, you got the Titans and Jaguars playing for that division, which is a uh, it's one of those, it's just not a good division. If you're 9-8 and eight and you win your division, it's not a good division. Um, you know, you got some other teams like the Patriots and, you know, the Steelers kind of playing for uh, that last wild card spot over there. Um, but this is, I mean, this is the game with the biggest odds behind it. This is two teams playing for, you know, basically... It could be a handing over of the Reigns in the NFC North. I don't think the Vikings are going to get much better with Kirk Cousins. I think, I mean, they're they're kind of looking like they're going to fall apart. Aaron Rodgers is at the end of his deal. They, not at the end of his deal because he signed a four-year extension, but Aaron Rodgers is not the MVP this year. Uh, they have been playing really good these past couple of weeks, and we'll see what happens But win or lose, as a Lions fan, you got to be pretty psyched with what we got here to work with. I mean, just looking at guys we've drafted this past couple years, I mean, Panay Sewell, who looks like an all pro tackle from his career. You got, I mean, Ragnow and Jackson on the line. Those are both guys drafted by the Lions that are young and best at. Some of the best at their position. Decker we drafted, who's one of the best at his position. You've got DeAndre Swift, who's a really good running back, coming back into form here after he was injured a little bit. Brock Wright and James Mitchell, those are both guys that drafted, or Brock Wright in that case was an undrafted free agent. Um, I mean, Armand Ross St. Brown's one of the best receivers in the NFL. You got Jamison Williams, who, by the way, just looks so fucking fast. So fast, he's there. Um, you got guys you've signed like Khalif Raymond, who's a really good both special teams and receiver. You got DJ Chark, who's a young good. He was productive in Jacksonville. He's looking good. Um, even Josh Reynolds. I mean, I'm I'm more iffy on him. Evan Brown was a good free agency pull. Like these guys. Like this is a well built roster with solid players who. And I don't think we're there yet. I didn't even mentioned Jared Goff and Jamal Williams, who are two of the better players on the team, both brought in. This is a team that, like, the potential is there. And the cap space is there. Uh, on defense, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is going to be one of the better edge defenders. James Houston broke the record for most sacks in his first, what, six games with eight in NFL history. You got Ali McNeil, Josh Pascal on the line. They brought in Kaminsky um, in the offseason. They brought in, I mean, they got Deshaun Elliott, looks like he could be a long term guy there. Kirby Joseph looks like a ball hawk and Tracy Walker is gonna come back. And you got, I mean, Malcolm, I mean Rodrigo, Rodriguez in the middle. Derek Barnes doesn't look bad. He's kind of coming around. If Yatumila played really good that last game against the Bears after playing like shit against the Panthers. I mean, this team is there. Not to win a Super Bowl, but to take the next step. And this is a team you're going to have to worry about, especially if Brad Holmes keeps drafting the way he's drafting and if they keep man like if they keep uh, you know, managing the cap space the way that they have. I mean, what a great combo, him and Dan Campbell. What a idiot you are to have said otherwise earlier in the year. I wouldn't say idiot because I did say if he was, I mean, 1-11, yeah, we should probably fire him. But I also said that I don't think that's going to happen, and it didn't. So good job, Dan Campbell. Good job, Brad Holmes. Good job, Sheila Ford-Hamp, who everybody's fucking always about the the ownership, like they're drafting the players and something like She took over in June of last year, and they've she fired Patricia and what was his name, Bob Quinn. I've I've even forgotten his name. They fired he she fired the GM and head coach within three months, and brought in these guys that January. And people were still saying same old Lions, built the same way. You were wrong. You were wrong. You were wrong. Lions are good. Uh, it's going to be a tough game against the Packers. Uh, even if the Seahawks win, I would like to see us ruin the Packers season. I think that would just be a – make it our Super Bowl if we have to. This will be our Super Bowl if we have to. It's in Green Bay, which is tough, cold weather. I, I still do have questions about Jared Goff long-term as the quarterback, but that's an off-season thing, and uh, I think he will be the quarterback. He should be the quarterback next year, but we do need to look start – You know start looking at guys that will be there long term and take this team to the next level. So that's my Lions Packers playoff rant. Um and now we're going to talk about the hard part. New Year's Eve New Year's Eve uh this year. Michigan 13 and 0 Michigan played 12 and 1 TCU. Michigan, a big favorite. Uh, Michigan should have won this game. The talent gap was there. Uh, TCU just lost to Kansas State, who's a very similarly built team to Michigan with less talented players. Uh, They beat Michigan. And... The only people Michigan can blame is Michigan. There's people that are saying the refs, blah, blah, blah. And the refs did, in my opinion, blow a few calls, obviously. That touchdown to Roman Wilson where like he caught it and his butt was literally on the the line into the end zone. Should have been a touchdown. They fumbled, but they fumbled the next play, which isn't on the refs. That's on you. Why you won't do QB sneaks on the one yard line? I don't know. uh before that even they ran a they had it you know second and one on the one on the or second and two on the two yard line to score when the game was zero zero and they just they didn't they go for it on fourth. they run a trick play Philly special type play um doesn't work because you know TCU had it fished out. I don't like run the ball. Uh, you have a fast quarterback. You have, you know, a really good running back. And all of a sudden, you're playing linebackers at running back. Uh, you're getting pushed around by a 3-3-5, which is three defensive linemen against five offensive linemen. Um, here is, here is this is unacceptable for a team that back-to-back has won the Joe Moore Award, which is the award awarded to the best offensive line in college football in tons of great players on this line, uh, best offensive line in college football. Don't give up four sacks and 13 tackles for loss. 13 tackles for loss is unacceptable for the best offensive line in, in NF in the in college football. Um, that, and and he was under, pre- McCarthy was under pressure the whole game too. Uh, which is not good. But when you have a guy, Dylan Horton for TCU, who I had no idea, and I keep up with players' draft rankings pretty, pretty intensely. Dylan Horton, who I had no idea who he was going in this game, had four sacks. Four sacks. One guy. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Um, that I don't know what if that was scheme if that was I don't think I don't know if it was effort I don't know what I don't know if it was play calling um it, it's just it's not a good stat to have and it's one of the things that I think cost Michigan here are the things that I really thought cost Michigan McCarthy threw two pick sixes after throwing I think three interceptions all year that's not good uh the two-goal line, the the Philly special, which was a weird fourth down call, it, it kind of reminds me of when they played Michigan State in the COVID year, and they were running like wildcat jump passes with the running back instead of just fucking pounding it in. Again, you have the best offensive line uh, back-to-back years in college football. Just, just fucking run it again and again and again. That's your identity anyways. Uh, and, of course, hindsight's 2020, but I mean, that's analytically, statistically, logically what you should do. Uh, So yeah, the two goal line stops, the two pick sixes, the two big calls from the ref uh, where the touchdown was called back and then the fumble happened, and at the end of the game, the targeting, which uh, Joel Klatt touched on, and that needs to be fixed. Uh, Not saying that Michigan would drive down and have won the game anyways, but I mean, it's obviously another chance. And at the end of that game, I was so done with it. I was just like, how many times are we going to lose this game? So, yeah, that uh, those are all big things. Uh, the offensive line giving up 13 tackles for loss. Uh, this Michigan team was just like the whole, the whole team was built around getting five yards of carry. And just it doesn't matter what happens on first and second down because we know that it's going to be third and short. So as long as you can convert third and short, and maybe even fourth and short, you're in a good you're in a good space because um, those are much easier to do than when it's fucking third and thirteen, fourth and fourth and seventeen, and you're like, okay, well, play it safe, punt. And then the last thing that really cost them was this defense, who was a bend don't break defense and one of the best defenses um, in the best scoring defense. They give up the least, one of the least amount of points. So it was top three in that. And the reason was they would, if you want to get short plays, they would take, they would let you take it and they would come up. The DBs tackle well in space. Um, You know, we have big defensive linemen and linebackers that are fast and attacking. And we have edge guys that can get after the quarterback. So if you're going to run the ball, We're there to stop it. If you're gonna throw the ball, everything's in front of us. And when you have to throw the ball on third and down, we can bring third down, we can bring four, five guys, and and you know, you're under pressure, which is gonna affect your decision making. And when there's you know, six, seven guys back there covering four or five receivers, advantage Michigan. Now, in this game. All of a sudden, we're bringing corners, we're bringing safeties, we're bringing nickelbacks, we're bringing two linebackers up the middle, blitzing all over the place. And at first, I kind of understood it in the first half, Um, you know, showing them something maybe we didn't do a whole lot, maybe we'd get Duggan under pressure and, uh, you know, get them behind the sticks a little bit and, you know, get big plays. Um, but after they got a few big plays, you would think, Hey, this isn't working, go back to what's working. And there was a point where Michigan had the game within three points early in the, or yeah, early in the first, fourth quarter. It was like, you know, literally we scored with like a minute into the fourth quarter. It was a three point game, third and seven, we get it to third and seven playing that defense, keep everything in front of you, tackle, play good run defense, everybody in there, you know, don't let them take anything. And Max Duggan wasn't playing that great of a game. He was 14. I mean, he finished 14 for 29, 225 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. And 75 of those 225 yards came on one play on this third and seven play where all of a sudden they bring Sandra still, I believe, off the edge, uh, the corner, the nickel back. They bring him. They bring a safety. They bring a linebacker. Everybody's going. Duggan does kind of a Patrick Mahomes like drift out of the pocket under pressure and he just got to throw it to an area and the best receiver on TCU, possibly their best player. The guy that's probably going to get drafted. The first receiver drafted off the board um, in the NFL draft this year, Quinston Johnson um, wide open, dragging across the middle of the field. Um, and DJ Turner, who was covering a different guy came off and tried to make the tackle, which would have been still short of the first down and he didn't do it. So he went 75 yards Or it was 73 yards, 75 yards, so it doesn't really matter for a touchdown to make it back to a 10-point game. Now, if you just sit back and play, get a little, like, bring five guys. Bring your four rushers and a linebacker. Maybe make a stunt with the defensive lineman, and you're good, I bet, on that play. And if they do get a first down, at least it's not a 73-yard touchdown. And the defense was playing good enough. Again, 14 for 29 on the day, 225 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Let's just minus that 73-yard. That would be uh, 152 yards. If you hold a quarterback that is the whole team, basically, to 150 yards passing, that's a really good day with two touchdowns and two picks, which it would have been one touchdown, two picks. You win that game. And that was my big issues with that. Um Michigan loses. TCU goes on. Georgia in another game with a it was just a great game. Ohio State, Georgia. Ohio State really should have won that. Uh the kicker blew that. Which it's just that's just part of college football. If you're kicking a 50-plus yard field goal to win a game, it's it's one of those things that could happen no matter how good the kicker's been all year. We've seen it over and over again. Ohio State, uh Man, that's just, you got Marvin Harrison go down. They were down, like, Jackson Smith and Jigba who and Travion Henderson, who going into the season were two guys, like, predict. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba was supposed to be the best receiver. Travion Henderson was one of the best running backs in the country. Smith and Jigba plays a few plays in the Notre Dame game and then has issues all year and goes to the NFL. Travion Henderson gets injured a few weeks before the Michigan game. He's not able to go. Mayan Williams isn't really able to go. Um, he's been beat up. So you're down to like, you know, your third and fourth and fifth best receivers and their tight end even went down. So they're into the backup tight end, their third and fourth running backs, CJ Stroud playing his ass off. Uh, the defense was playing pretty good, even though they kind of let up there at the end. And it like, it was, they were both really, really good games to watch. And, uh, unfortunately, The Big Ten should have got both those games and just didn't come through. So we're ending up with uh, Georgia and Stetson Bennett and TCU and Max Duggan in the national championship game. Um, It it can go one of two ways. Uh, The first way it can go is the TCU miracle season keeps going and it's a close game and Max Duggan maybe pulls out some Your rogues at the end or not, uh, which I just don't see it going that way. Uh, The other way going is Georgia, who, uh, let's remember, going into these playoff games, they had a full month to prepare for them, which is a big deal. So with a week to prepare for your next team, I think Georgia is just too powerful. They run the ball well. Their defense is really, really, really good. Uh, NFL players all over. I think Georgia's going to kind of get up on them and then just kind of lean on them. And I don't think it's going to be particularly close. The spread at the time of this podcast recording is Georgia minus 12. Uh, The over-under is 62.5 points. I would take Georgia minus 12 and the under. I think this is going to be similar to the Georgia-Tennessee game where I think Georgia's going to kind of get up, and then they're going to kind of, you know, let TCU like take their shots, but they're going to be playing it safe and there's nothing they're going to really be able to do with all that talent on the Georgia side. So I see this one, I would take Georgia minus 12 and the under 62 and a half points on that one. And uh, the one last thing I wanted to touch on, and this comes around every, every season for Michigan football after the season's over NFL teams start calling Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, the head coach for the Michigan Wolverines is a, uh, he was a successful uh, NFL coach for the San Francisco 49ers, 73% win rate uh, with the Niners. He was third. He, well he is third overall in a winning percentage as far as NFL coaches go. I, I believe that's over a hundred games. Um. He, every year, uh, it happened last year with the Vikings where he was literally interviewing with the Vikings on National Signing Day. And he is, again, being sought after by teams like the Panthers, the Broncos, the Colts. And they're calling. And uh, everybody's saying, oh, if he just gets offered this job, he's leaving. And I just don't see that happening. Uh Especially with all these teams are like the Broncos. Not only don't have draft picks, they don't have cap space. Russell Wilson doesn't look like Seattle Seahawks Russell Wilson that won the Super Bowl. Uh, he's getting older. Older running quarterbacks fall fall apart faster than you know older throwing quarterbacks. Uh, the Colts don't have a quarterback either. Uh, they do have Jonathan Taylor, who's a good running back. There's holes on the offensive line, so is that Uh, he did play for the Colts though, as a player, I mean, there's that to think about the uh, Panthers have a good young core. um, But again, they don't go into next year. uh, Their quarterback right now, Sam Darnold, his contracts up. They got Matt Corral that they drafted last year who hasn't played at all. They won't have a top 10 pick. So they're going to miss out on all Stroud young and Levis. Probably. Uh, so they, unless they go get a quarterback, maybe Derek Carr, Jeremy Garoppolo. um, kind of looking in there. I think the Raiders' job will be open. There's a few other kind of, you know, whatever jobs, but why leave? I mean, you got you got. Here's the thing about the Michigan team coming back next year is they probably will be the one or two team to start the con- or start the year next year. Uh, I believe it'll be between them and USC, who are they're returning the two best teams as far as, like, USC's got Caleb Williams, who's the Heisman winner, coming back. Uh, J.J. McCarthy's coming back, but also so much of the talent on this team on, uh, for Michigan's coming back, so they're going to have all of these guys. Um... So he's got all these guys coming in, all these all these freshmen who are who look like there's a few contributors. He's got seven transfers from other schools uh, and I am going to say five or six of them are going to be starters or at least contributors um, with the only one being a backup quarterback who's probably just going to, you know, back up JJ. Uh So why would you leave Michigan when you've lost in the college football playoff two years Got a great team coming back. You're going to be a favorite to win it next year. I just don't see it happening. If it happens, um, there's a lot of people that are like, "Oh, you can't blame Harbaugh." And the only way I wouldn't be able to blame Harbaugh if it's a money thing, if it's if the Broncos offer you twenty to twenty-five million dollars, which Colin Cowherd is reported as possible. I mean, it's really hard. To pass that up but if he does or if he doesn't do if it's not that and it's you know nine million ten million which i know like saying that on a podcast in my parents guest house basement is crazy to say that that difference i don't think you should leave michigan um here's the thing is after the Minnesota Vikings thing last year with him testing the waters, which was well in his rights after what? Well, not maybe well in his rights because the team wasn't performing before that when he took a pay cut. And then he got an extension after that when the team did perform. He did prove everybody wrong, which is great. I'm not going to lie. I was a doubter after that Michigan State loss in the pandemic year. But he's turned everything around. They look good. He interviewed for the Vikings. He didn't get the job. He didn't take it. He took an extension with Michigan, and he said, this is done. I'm not going to go to the NFL. I'm going to stay. Quote, Jim Harbaugh, I'll stay as long as they'll have me, which means I'm here for life, is what that means. And if he if this happens every year, I'm going to get really sick of it because about a week two weeks before the college football playoff game, he said, I will be enthusiastically back at Michigan, or I will be back at Michigan enthusiastically coaching the Wolverines in 2023, which is another like, hey, I'm not going to the NFL. He is again, since his Carolina his talk with the owner of the Carolina Panthers, he said it's likely. So now, likely I will be coaching the Michigan, but you never know. And I don't like this wishy-washiness, and I don't know what's going behind going on behind the scenes, so I don't know if he's trying to get more... NIL money for the players, more money for the assistant coaches, more money for himself, which I'm okay with all three of those things. By the way, uh, Michigan should be a top program when it comes to NIL recruiting. Uh, they should have the best coaches. They should have the best training staff. They should have the best strength and conditioning staff. They should have the best uh, facilities. Um, so yeah, and they have the money there. So if he's doing it for that, then fully behind this. If he's doing it to Run up his price in the NFL to take a Denver Broncos job for nine million dollars. Uh, I kind of hope he fails because you can't. It's one thing to be like, you know, what I've always wanted to win a Super Bowl. If the right opportunity presents itself, I might have to take it. And and we don't know what happens, but I'm happy here at Michigan. If if that's one thing to say, but to say I will be here as long as they have me and you have a lifelong job at the University of Michigan, which is one of the premier colleges, one of the premier college programs in all of football, one of the premier jobs in football, um, and you say that, and you say, I'll be back 2023 before all this, and then after all this, now all of a sudden you're on the fence, and and then you leave? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be pretty upset. So again i'm on his side as long as as long as we're at this spot right here where we are i'm on his side if he if if the broncos offer him 2025 20, million there's no way you can really argue that i mean that's a lot of that's a lot more money than like defensive ends make in the end like it, it would be a crazy jump from for coaching money um it it would be the most a coach has ever paid uh which Hey, if that's what the Broncos want to do and Jim wants to take it, go for it, Jim. Uh, But I don't, I like, I don't, I don't want that back at Michigan. I would like a coach that wants to be at Michigan for the long-term long haul uh, recruiting. You know, I don't, I don't like going through a new coach every five or six years. I would really like a a long-term guy there that's successful, but Hey, that's just my take and we'll see what happens there. Uh I think he stays from everything it looks like he should stay. Uh if I was him, I would, you know. Yeah, I mean, you've got a job for your whole career, you live next, I mean, your your family's there. You're settled in. To me, it's like the difference between 9 million and 10 million dollars. I mean, obviously it's a million dollars, but when you make that much money, like, does it really matter if you have to uproot your whole life and risk getting fired from a Broncos job in two years and Michigan not wanting you back? That's the question that he has to answer himself. So we'll see. I hope you stay, Jim. I hope you stay with us. I would love to have you for the rest of your career. But uh, if not, then then, uh, then then not. So, yeah, uh, that's all I really got. I got to a full hour today. Proud of myself. Again, I don't think you people understand how hard it is to just sit here and talk. And I'm doing it in complete silence, which is the biggest. That's like the most difficult thing for me. Usually like, I'm just like, there's no music on in the background. The only thing I have is like a little fan. So yeah, it, it gets kind of like weird and creepy sometimes uh, to just have my stream of consciousness flowing, but I did it full hour. I would like to get the episodes up to a full hour. I know, uh, that's a lot to listen to, especially when I'm doing two or three a week, but that's where we're at. Um, so yeah, just another reminder to like, subscribe, follow fucking text me, email me, DM me with any suggestions, questions, anything you want to tell me about the show or that you think would improve the show. I'm willing to listen. Um, if it's something stupid, like I have a friend named Carl who just suggests, this, he just suggests stupid shit all the time. Um, not to the show, but just, he just asks me stupid questions all the time. I might make fun of you, but that's just part of being friends with me. Um, if you're listening to the show right now, we're friends, you know, I I appreciate it. I appreciate you listening to the show. Um, I'm going to try and get one more in this week. And uh, you know what? Another great weekend for sports, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, NFL, college football. Enjoy it. Don't have a lot left. And, uh, hey, this has been The Kohler Show.